Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Welcome to R slash Pro Revenge, where OP's parents screw a shady contractor out of hundreds of thousands of dollars. Our next Reddit post is from Campfires and Conifers. In 1973, my parents had enough money to build a little ranch house in the country. The small bank in town approved the mortgage, and the bank signed a contract to give the contractor, Bob, the money to build the house. Bob, as it turns out, was overbooking himself all over town, leaving his clueless minions to do the actual work. The build took longer and longer, with more and more work having to be ripped out and redone. We're not talking about using the wrong color paint or nailing up some wonky trim here. The architect forgot to fully erase a line on the blueprints, and the framers built a wall through the bathtub. My mother was told not to put anything heavy in the kitchen cabinets because they were attached to the drywall, not the studs, using just a few roofing nails through the back of each cabinet. The garage door opening was framed into the living room instead of towards the driveway, and so on. When the bank's representative showed up for the final inspection, my parents met him in the front yard and refused to sign off on Bob's work. The representative became angry as the bank had paid Bob a lot of money. The bank representative strode to the front door and pulled on the doorknob, whereupon the entire door, casing included, fell on him. The door had simply been wedged, not nailed, into place. The bank called Bob, who finally showed up to supervise the work himself. The only problem was that Bob wasn't any better at building a house than his minions were. My parents still refused to sign off on the house. My mother was a stay-at-home mom in a nasty rental with two tiny children while my dad was working two jobs while this was going on. Throughout the entire process, the bank and Bob treated them very poorly, bullying my mom and lying to my dad. What should have been an exciting time for my parents was ruined. My mom cried a lot. My dad got depressed. Finally, the bank threatened my parents with foreclosure and Bob threatened to sue my parents for breach of contract because the bank refused to pay him any more money. So my exhausted parents went to an attorney and gave him the rundown. Plumbing, electrical, tiling issues, the whole sorry mess. My parents were scared. All they had was their small down payment savings, so if this became a lengthy court battle, the bank and Bob would win. The attorney, Tom, was kind, but my dad said that he could tell that both he and mom were doomed from Tom's facial expressions as he sorted through the paperwork. Then, abruptly, Tom smiled. Tom said, 
let's get everyone together for a meeting tomorrow. So, my parents and their attorney Tom, the bank's representative and the bank's attorney, and Bob and Bob's attorney met at the bank. Tom didn't give anyone else time to begin. He said, well, my clients have decided that they no longer want this house. Please remove it. Everyone else started to laugh. Remove it? Have you lost your mind? Tom, in a sweeping theatrical gesture, placed a deed on the table. Tom said, My clients outright own the land the house is sitting on. They no longer want the house. Get this house off my client's land. <laughs> Bob's attorney stared at the deed, then turned and stared at Bob. The attorney said, You built a house on land that you don't own? Bob nodded. The bank's attorney started yelling at the bank's representative. You didn't finance the land the house is on? The representative stammered, Uh, no? Tom said firmly, As I said, gentlemen, you're trespassing on my client's land. I expect the house to be removed and the land returned to its original state at once. <laughs> my dad said that he'll remember the blank looks that everyone on the other side of the table passed to one another for his whole life. Sure, the bank could foreclose on a house that wouldn't exist by the end of the week with no way to recoup the money. They didn't even own the land that the house was on. Bob was out the 50% that he paid out of pocket. Plus, he was on the hook for tearing down the house and removing it. On top of that, the bank would undoubtedly want him to repay the initial 50% they'd given him. Could the bank have gone after my parents? Sure. A foreclosure would have meant bad credit for my parents moving forward. They might lose their down payment. But to sign off on the house in its condition at that time would have meant thousands and thousands of dollars in cash to replace or repair everything from the roof to the basement before they could safely move in. The bank knew my parents didn't have that kind of money. They're the ones who approved the mortgage. Suddenly, my parents were good people. It was all such a misunderstanding. And the bank and Bob couldn't do enough for them. The house was brought in line with the original blueprints and specifications immediately, at no extra cost to my parents, but at considerable cost to Bob. My parents signed off on the mortgage. Bob got the rest of his money and just about broke even on the bill. The bank's representative was fired. And Tom, attorney extraordinaire, got a stinging tale of triumph to recall to fellow attorneys for the rest of his life. This reminds me of that stupid country song that goes like, if you're gonna be dumb, you gotta be tough. Except for this story, it's like, if you're gonna be evil, you have to at least be competent. Our next Reddit post is from Catherine the Tiger. At the time of this story, I was a 26-year-old woman and my boyfriend, Thomas, was 28. When we first started dating, things seemed promising. Thomas was a very sweet man, educated and quite smart, and he had good looks. After seven weeks of dating, he invited me and two of his childhood friends, Alex and Bart, for a long 29th birthday celebration weekend at his father's country house in a small French town. His father was going to be around as well, and I was excited to meet everyone. Day one, Friday, was fun. I was happy that I got along well with Thomas's father, a smart and caring man. Day two, Saturday. After a very nice day, we enjoy a party in the garden with the neighbors, including some friends of Thomas. After a few hours and a lot of drinks, a group of people gather around a small campfire and start sharing childhood memories. This is where things go wrong. At first, of course, it was innocent and dumb stories, like you'd expect. But then, Thomas and his friends started sharing some really sick stuff. 
In particular, they told a story of how when they were 14 or 15 years old, they found it very amusing to bully for almost six months Arthur, a boy of their school who was very isolated and shy. They would make jokes about him, call him names, you name it. As if that wasn't bad enough, they created a fake girl profile on MSN Messenger and spent months exchanging messages with him under this false girl's identity, flirting with him and developing a false relationship with this poor boy. Some other kids at the school knew about it, and it became a big, cruel joke behind Arthur's back. They used pictures of Bart's real cousin, and the boy truly thought that he had some kind of online girlfriend to whom he even sent confessions and love messages. At some point, they got bored and scheduled a false rendezvous in real life, asking the boy to take a bus ride for two or three hours wearing a t-shirt of Elmer the Elephant, based on a private joke. Obviously, there was no girl waiting for him, and they didn't know how long that he waited over there by himself. If Arthur hadn't figured out what was going on, he found out the next day at school after Thomas and Bart told the story to everyone, and even shared the love messages that Arthur had been writing. The poor boy stopped coming to class, and apparently changed schools, as it's easy to imagine that this must have been extremely traumatizing to him. Do you think that Thomas, Alex, or Bart had any bit of shame about it? Not a bit of remorse. They kept making jokes about it, and even seemed to regret that they weren't good enough at being evil to convince the boy to send nudes or sexy pictures. I don't even want to imagine what would have happened if he had done so. To say that I felt uncomfortable would be a gross understatement. I was absolutely horrified, and I started to despise Thomas more than anything. I wasn't the only person shocked either. Thomas's father, who heard the end of the story, had the most disappointed look in his eyes. His stupid son was so drunk that he didn't even notice. I escaped the party immediately after that and got back to the house. I couldn't sleep at all that night, and I kept thinking about the party and how Thomas was still finding this funny. I heard him come to bed around 4am, but I pretended I was asleep. Day 3, Sunday, was Thomas's actual birthday, and the initial plan was that I would take Thomas on a one-on-one -on -one fancy surprise date for lunch nearby, and then we'd meet the group for a late afternoon party. But instead, I woke up very early on Sunday morning, took all my stuff in silence, and went alone to the train station where I took a direct train heading back to Paris. I decided to send a text to Thomas wishing him happy birthday and telling him to meet me at a certain location one hour from the house for a surprise, and that I needed to go a little bit in advance to make sure that everything would be perfect. I'd pick the location randomly, using Google Maps to gain time. Thomas read the text around 10am when he woke up. He responded with excitement that he would religiously follow the instructions. When he arrived there at 12.30, I told him to wait further because there was a little delay on something. Then, I asked him to meet me at a restaurant which was a 30-minute drive from the initial location. When he arrived at 1.15, I texted him that I was on my way and I would arrive in 20 minutes and that he'll understand when he sees me why I made him wait. I also asked him to order some food and the most expensive bottle on the menu. Around 1.30, he started calling me several times and sent a lot of worried texts. And after 40 minutes, I responded, So, how does it feel to have people play with your feelings? Then, I stopped responding. I let him call and text the entire afternoon, but I never responded. At some point, I got a call from an unknown number. It was his friend Alex asking what was going on and that Thomas's birthday was completely ruined because of what I did. I just responded, 
This is extremely small payback for what you did to Arthur. Tell Thomas to stop calling me, and I hung up and blocked them. I still felt bad the entire evening, as I had started to grow attached to Thomas back then. The following day, a common friend called me to say that my reaction was completely absurd and unfair, that it wasn't my role to punish someone for actions they did as a teenager, that there were adult ways of saying things, and that I had been completely crazy. Only a few people supported what I did. Everyone else seemed to think that I was a B-word. Thomas tried to fix things and win me back for a few months afterwards. I never responded to any of his messages. I don't regret it. I simply hope that Arthur, who should be 35 or 36 years old now, is well. Yo, criticizing OP because she was upset at what teenagers did is one thing. But to be super clear, Thomas still had this opinion as an adult. It's not like he was filled with remorse or regret or wishes he could go back in time. No, he was thrilled that he made this joke, which means he's still a toxic, terrible human being. So OP's reaction to that is completely justifiable, and in my opinion, she's still justified even though Thomas was a teenager because it really gives insight to the type of person that someone is. To put it simply, Thomas just isn't a good person. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our next Reddit post is from Spiffy Dude. When I was in my early 20s, I had a job where I reported to a senior sales team as a junior salesperson. It was a support role job, and I knew my place, which was to watch, stay quiet, learn, and help them out. I reported to a lady who was mid-level and a senior guy who was head of sales. I was pretty green, and after seeking mentorship, they seemed to mistake this for incompetence. I was just asking them simple, normal things, like what format you preferred your daily reports in, tasks they wanted me to do, etc. I had another issue because the senior guy basically stole my first bonus at the three-month mark. It was a tiny amount to him, but a lot of money for me. I didn't officially file a complaint, but I did ask him how he was able to keep my bonus when it was obvious that it tracked back to my efforts and the data. He didn't like that and didn't pay me. I was doing a good job. I'm fully aware of my skills. But a few weeks later, they fired me with the explanation, it's just not working out. I spent a couple of months getting a new job, which turned out to be an amazing smaller firm where I was appreciated, mentored correctly, and thrived. The new firm was very successful. To be clear about the firing process, the two of them brought me into a room and she was the one who fired me. She was the one who said that it's just not working out and he said, so we're letting you go. About two years later, I'd become a vital but still junior part of the smaller company. My former employer shut down and everyone was out of work. So I saw through the glass while walking by the boardroom one day that the senior guy who stole my bonus was being interviewed for a job at my current firm. My current superiors didn't see me walk by, but my old boss and I made eye contact. Now, in a small sales team at a small firm, it's important to have a nice working relationship and trust. There's also a lot of selfish salespeople who are there to make money and don't like being ripped off. So, later that afternoon, I quietly mentioned to one of my bosses, 
I saw such and such in the office today when I walked by. I used to work for him, and that butthole stole my bonus one time. That was all I needed to say, because the last thing my current boss needed was a thief on the team. Then, times got tough, and I know that guy had to spend two years looking for work. Six or seven years later, I was at a new company in a more senior role, and that one lady who I originally reported to called me and was selling at a new firm, and she was calling to ask if I'd be interested in purchasing from her. I didn't know that she had started working at that firm. The type of thing that she was trying to sell was very basic and interchangeable to competing firms. Since the original firm closed, she had gone from selling important products to unimportant products. She acted all happy and nice to me and recalled the great job I did when we worked together. I also know that she did not want to be talking to me, but her call log said that she had to call. I told her thank you and to send me along an official quote and a proposal, which would take several hours of work from her. In our industry, I knew that she would be paid not only on new sales but also net sales measurement, meaning she had to retain clients as well as bring in new ones. At the time, my firm was purchasing a lot of products from her firm, and I was in charge of all of them. While she spent her afternoon drafting a proposal, I spent a couple of hours pulling all my business from that company and replacing it with another competitor up the street. She emailed me a full proposal and mentioned that she was excited to be working with me again and supporting my business. By this point, she had no idea that I had just pulled everything from her firm, and she would never receive her bonus this year because of how much business I pulled away from her company. The next day, she emailed me quite upset, and she cc'd her boss, who I've known for years and had a good working relationship with. I replied all and thanked her and said that I decided to go with a competitor because it just won't work out as I find your approach to business dealings to be insincere. Her boss emailed me back directly and asked what happened and I replied that I just don't think that she's a sincere person. My business to their firm was worth more than her entire job and she didn't last more than a month there after that. What's so great about this revenge is that not only did you get, you know, your revenge against these people, but also OP was working her way up the corporate ladder and got a great job. They say the best revenge is a life well lived, and it sounds like OP is living a pretty good life. And yeah, living a good life is pretty good revenge, but if you can live a good life and also stick it to the people who screwed you over before, even better. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.